twisted. I ain't demented, well, just a little bit. I'm kicking asses, I'm taking names. I'm out of flame, don't come home, babe. I'm breaking dishes up in here. All night, ain't gonna stop until I see ya. Oh, this a night. Everybody just tuning in. This is a special mini episode of Musical Osmosis, where intelligent dissonant thought meets melodic euphonious reality. I'm your musically magnanimous host, as always, Nick the Saucy One Cat Soares, broadcasting live from Tennessee. Blah blah blah. And I've got a special guest with us here today, Ed. You are co-hosting with me today. Yeah, co-hosting from a back alley in NOLA. Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> so that's awesome. Thanks for coming in today, Ed. D, tell us real quick what's coming up on TinCan.media over the next couple of weeks oh so we can goodness. get this show on the road. Yes, absolutely. Well, first off, tomorrow we are finally working on The Cult of Chucky hopefully almost finished because I'm really kind of excited to see it. Tomorrow we've got Fiona Durf on Kettle of Fish and before that we've got Paul Goebel joining us on The Funny Thing About Politics. We have got activist Eleanor Goldfield joining us for our next Political Animals of Pride uh, along with of course Buick and George and Fern. And then we're going to have Alex White coming back on Musical Osmosis very soon and we actually have a brand spanking new show. It's uh, with Jim Bruce. It's called Bath Talks. And I have to warn you guys, this is a vodcast, so you can see him, and he is in the bathtub. But there's no genitalia. <laughs> no, no, but he is in the tub. I, I think 
I, I think it's going to be hilarious. Um, and we Dude, do we actually, do too many podcasts. I think we, I'm addicted to podcasts. Is it possible something. to be addicted to podcasts? I, I think it might be. We also have a couple of new episodes of the Life is Hard podcast um, that are up now for your listening enjoyment. And Monday we will have a new episode of Uncustomary Love with Uncustomary herself. And then we're also going to be doing a very special Tales from the Road Trip episode uh, with me, you, and Fern coming up this week. And that, <laughs> let me tell you. Eddie, the, the drinking that tales. went on in Baltimore is why I won't be drinking with you much in NOLA when I'm out there in a couple weeks. Oh, it, it was I, I don't sick. drink much these days myself, so that's fine. I was scrubbing <laughs> vomit off my shoes the next morning. Literally. I haven't been that drunk <laughs> in many, many of a moon. All right, who's today's guest, E? Oh, my gosh. Today's guest is... I. I don't know how she does it. I don't know how she's done it for basically for her whole life, it sounds like. Um, first seen on, by me, anyway, on Happy Days would be the super awesome rocker, Susie Quattro. Yay, Yay. Susie Quattro. Finally, we've got Yay. you in here. You too. How you doing? Good, good. Um, I want to kind of break this down real quick and full disclosure. So... You weren't somebody that was on my radar. I listened to mostly like punk rock and really like underground rap. Like a, the guy has to have at least six bullet holes in him before I'll listen to him. Just really right. underground music. And yeah. I went and bought this Happy Days box set, like the first six seasons. And we're sitting back watching. I hadn't watched Happy Days like since I was a kid. And you came up, of course, as Leather Tuxedero. And I looked over at D because me and D are together. And I was like, damn, this chick is like badass. Yeah. I wonder if she's still playing music. Cause it was obvious from the performance that you weren't just like some hack actor they brought in off the street. It was obvious you were an actual musician. And I jumped on the Google machines and I looked you up and I was just blown away by your catalog. I started going through. I reached out to you. So I kind of want to start with this. I'm looking at all your achievements. I'm looking at um, the Michigan Music Hall of Fame. You even have an honorary doctorate degree in music from Cambridge. You've got an insane catalog of music played all over the world. So many people at this point, 50 years in, how do you still stay passionate about this? How do you still go out on that stage and it's just not mechanical or just business as usual? Are you still in love with this? Well, it's 53 years for a start. Um, wow. So don't, you know, Even more you impressive. Live the years you want, you want everyone to count. Yes, the, the, the real easy answer is that I am one of your real, genuine, the real deal people who are in the business because they love what they do. Every time I step on that stage, I'm blessed again. And I absolutely love it. I get the same buzz every time I go on. It never finishes. I don't need the money. You know, I've been around for a long time. My name is in history books. I don't need any of it, but I do it because I do need it in another way. Ah, profound. And I noticed, like, in, um, I watched this interview of you in Australia, and you were supposed to be doing a going away tour. That was it, the last tour for Susie Quattro. And you came back, and I was like, she must really love what she does because for all the reasons you just named, and you came back. You couldn't stay away. I, I couldn't stand it, you know, it was like, it was, and it was only Australia that we did the final because it was like my 31st tour there, so I've spent half my life there, and it was my, just after my 50th anniversary in the business, and I thought, oh, how nice, do a special swan song there, you know, and then I, I was still touring everywhere else, but then 
after the buzz of that tour wore off, I just went, oh, my God. And, and really what I did on this tour when I came back was I went out into the audience and I said, I'm never going to say the F word again. And there was a sharp intake of breath. And what I meant was final. I bet you the crowd went crazy. <laughs> they did. Because they wondered what I meant, you know, for a minute. It was like, oh, my God, what did she say? But no, never. I, I just, I love what I do. You know, I'm so busy at the moment. I mean, I've, I've released a poetry book worldwide. I've just finished my novel, which comes out at the end of the month, The Hurricane. My first novel, uh, my radio show has been ongoing on Radio 2 since uh, 1999. I'm gigging all over the place. Um, I was in the charts in Australia on this last tour with my new super group, QSP. Yes, we QSP. The, yeah, we, we were the support group. So I supported myself, which is just nuts. That is great. <laughs> it's almost like Inception, right, Eddie? Yeah. Crazy. crazy. I mean, I did, I sang, and I mean, I sang 27 songs every night. I can't imagine 27 songs in a night. I mean, like, how, how is that even physically possible? Like, I mean, I, I know I can do a few. I, I can do a lot, but I don't know if I can do 27. Well, that's why I was glad when I was with even Steven, we had like 10 songs and they were real short. Yeah, 27 songs yeah, in a night. Yeah. I think I would get, that's got to get tiring, like, physically. Well, you know, it's it's so strange. It's so strange because in QSP, if you've heard anything of the QSP stuff, that's some really singing songs, you know? Yeah. And then when I come out and do my own show, it's just, it's, it's your foot is on the gas and you go. And um, at the end of the show, on the last tour that we did where I supported myself, I, I come out and I do Desperado at the piano, you know? And my husband said, you're not even out of breath. So I'm singing better than I've ever sung. I don't understand this at all. And I'm not going to question it. I'm just going to enjoy it. Most people's voices go downhill and mine has gone uphill. And I don't get why. But God, you know, hallelujah. Right. All right. I want to ask you something else, too. Talking about your 53-year career. Do you feel like there's any more kingdoms to conquer, like any more dragons to slay? Or have you done everything young Susie Quattro, you know, a 16-year-old Susie Quattro getting together with her sisters for pleasure seekers? Do you feel like you did everything you set out to do and more? Or there's still a lot of kingdoms for you to conquer? Well, I've got a bucket list and I'm slowly whittling my way down. Um, I, 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 Yeah, bit by bit by bit. I want to see, I want to get my movie made of my life. That's a big thing to me. I want to get the movie made. Um, there's a documentary coming out soon. I mean, I've done my writing. I've done my poetry. I've done my novel. Yeah, it's pretty much pr pretty much what I set out to do. I wanted to do everything that the uh, artist in me wanted to do. And I've been, I've been blessed enough to be able to do that. Amen to that. You know, how do you switch creative gears? Because I know when I'm doing writing, I kind of block out anything else creative, and I have to go into a little hidey hole. Um, are you able to switch gears between creative endeavors pretty easily, seamlessly, or do you have to kind of divvy it up and hide in your own private space to do this and that? Well, whatever I'm doing, whichever part of my artistry that I'm tapping into, I give it my full attention. Uh, if I'm if I'm acting, then I'm acting, you know. And I'm use I'm use, I use the same instinct all the time. I'm all about communicating as an artist. So if I'm saying a line in a play or in a, in a film or whatever, I want you to get it. If I'm writing a song, I want you to get it. If I'm writing a book, I want you to get it. So I use the same instinct. But I don't, when I'm doing my book, I'm doing my book. When I'm doing my radio, I'm doing my radio. Yeah. I've been told, I've been told that I focus very, very well. And I'm very, very um, disciplined. 
Yeah, and that's how I think you have to be. That's how I am. I mean, I've got shows coming up tomorrow, but I couldn't really get my head around it until I got everything set with you, and I kind of have to do things sectional. I can't just throw everything into a big pot and mix it up and do it all at once. Well, you have to give, you have to give each thing your all. I mean, when, I, when I'm on the road, for instance, when I was doing the last Australian tour, I was doing 27 songs a night. I was completely focused on that show every night. In the daytime, I kept quiet. I stayed in the room. I did. I wrote my book, actually. I, I just, you know, quiet, you know, quiet, quiet, quiet. And then you go to the station from 4 o'clock sound check to 10.30 off the stage. I gave my all to that show. And I, you know, I'm glad you brought up your poetry book especially. And I haven't had a chance to read Unzip, your biography. But that's something that's definitely on my list of things to do. But the thing that was incredible about your poetry, and I watched some of the YouTube videos of you reciting it, is it says it's from 1969 to 2013. I don't have anything left from my youth. You hung on to all that stuff, all those books of poetry that you wrote your whole life? I have up and yeah, I've, I've been a real collector my whole life. Um, I actually have in my house an ego room. Ego, E-G-O. <laughs> and, right. uh, I know. And it's, uh, it's real. It's an analogy, but it's a reality as well. You know, you have to go up two flights of stairs. You have to go down this crooked hallway with the ceiling coming down at you, and it's real precarious, and you finally get to a big wooden heavy door, and you open it up, and on the door it says, mind your head, ego room. Wow. <laughs> and you go in, and you do what you do. You got your scrapbooks, you got your suits, you got your guitars, you got your DVDs, you got your CDs, you got videos, you got absolutely Everything. Is that Those private or open to the public? It's not open to the public, but one day it will be. When I'm when I'm gone, I, I've told my kids they need to open that and let everybody see it. Privileged people have seen it, and the funny thing is, is when I let somebody up there, I don't see them for three days. Yeah, I bet <laughs> I could get lost in that history. What about you, Ed? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I would. I, I don't have anything that I from. I got rid of everything two and a half years ago. I, I'm not a saver of anything, so I can just imagine. Yeah, that is crazy to me that anybody can hang on to that kind of stuff for that long. I mean, I used to have books of lyrics and poetry and stuff, too. And I don't I mean, so many moves in my life. I don't know where any of that stuff went. It might show up on eBay one day for all I know. I just thought every move was important enough to keep. Yeah, you must have been a lot more organized than I was. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, never, I never thought I was, you know, but everybody tells me, oh, yeah, yeah, you were focused and you were this and you were that. So I guess I am. <laughs> Obviously. All right. Let me ask you this then. You've got a dozen songs in your catalog. I started the show off with Breaking Dishes and we were driving up to Baltimore. We were on the road for five days, me and Dee. And I, I said, hey, listen, I know you're looking for some new karaoke because Dee has a hell of a voice herself. And I was like, I know you're looking for some new songs to do on karaoke. You've got to listen to this fucking song. And I got to tell you, man, that song, Breaking Dishes, the cadence, the attitude, the way you sing it, and that opening riff, that opening riff's infectious. It is a damn near perfect song. And I told okay. D, I was like, you've got to sing this karaoke. And D, you were like, yeah. And you went and you um got on your phone and listened to it 4,000 times, like yeah. I do when I get obsessed with music. And right, then I was D? like, okay, I... I see what you're getting at because, well, and it's 
on my bucket list is to audition for one of those singing shows. It's just one of those things that everybody I know yells at me. Oh, you got to do it then. Don't don't make it yet. Just do it. Yeah. It's one of those things that everybody yells at me. If I don't do it soon, they're going to hurt me physically. So I'm like, okay, you know, I'm going to do this next year and I need something really, really good and different and, you know, something that people haven't heard before, but that they will want to hear. I'm like, you know, I'm kind of liking this, kind of really that liking this. That would rock this. the crowd at karaoke because it's 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 a familiar sounding song. It sounds yeah. like a song you've heard before because it's so damn yeah, catchy. It does. it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. But it's, it's not something that's been done to death. And Kind of back to my question, it's like that's a song that I don't think is like a huge hit, but it's such a perfect song. When people come up to you, is it always like my favorite songs, Can the Can, or, you know, my favorite songs, Devil Gate Drive, or do you just get a hodgepodge of the different components that people love about Susie Quattro, or is I it kind of get, the same? I do get a real hodgepodge, um, and in fact, it's the same when I when I the audiences. You know, you see, which I love actually. You'll see people my age. You'll see their kids, and then you'll see their kids' kids. So you'll get entire families there. I see kids sitting on the on the father's shoulders, little kids. Wow! And it's, and, and it's just great. It just, you know, the music gets handed down, and I'm and I'm very proud to have been part of people's lives for so long it just i i'm i'm blessed i i do feel blessed well that's good i mean you've got to stay humble i just don't know how you process a 53 year legacy where you're seeing grandfathers fathers and kids all occupying the same orbit just to spend an evening with you to have that kind of resonance out there in the ether i can't imagine how you process i mean but you probably don't even think about it right you're just Susie quattro you wake up you're so busy you don't even get a chance to like sit there and examine what an insane impact you've had on the world of music well i do you know i when i sit and when people talk to me about it like you're doing right now it's um god how do you say it i said it to my husband when I was in Australia on the last tour and it just kind of popped out of my mouth. And I said, this is not just a job. I said, this is a vocation. And I said, I complete my life cycle when I go onto the stage and I make those people happy for two hours and they go away with smiles on their faces and it completes my cycle. You see what I mean? I'm a bit of an old fashioned performer that way. I was put on this earth to entertain and communicate. So it's almost like, and I love Detroit. I love Alice Cooper. Actually, he's my favorite. I know I'm into punk and stuff, but I grew up on Alice Cooper. He's still my favorite performer. And I just feel like even in Eminem, there's such a vaudevillian type of like genetic code coming out of performers in Detroit. Like how I know you live over in the UK now and you've been over there for years. Yeah, but I'm Detroit. I'm Detroit yeah. through and through. Yep. So you still carry a lot of that Detroit girl with you then, oh, right? Oh Christ almighty, one million percent. I mean I'll never be English. I am I am Detroit living in England, but there is a there is a energy level in Detroit that is second to none. And I'm so proud to have come from that city, you know? I mean, uh we, we all cut our teeth on the same feelings. And it's fantastic. So what do you think it is about Detroit? Like, I can tell a Detroit band, especially from their stage show. Do you think it's just that working class auto industry community that just has that gritty sound? Because I can always tell Richmond bands, Chicago bands, Detroit sure bands, you can. Yeah. Pittsburgh, Philly, yeah. cities like yeah, that. Yeah, you can tell them all. I agree. Detroit has, like I said, Detroit has an energy level. It's a high energy level. And there is no city in America 
that gets down like Detroit does. Yeah, I've only been there a couple times when I was young. I haven't when they had go the... for you in that audience, I tell you what, you stay, you stay got, if that's correct English. You know, they're just the best. <laughs> they're the best, yeah. I could just imagine the buckets of energy they're throwing at you in Detroit when you go play oh, there. Oh, fantastic. All I right, was just I... there. Just there, you know, I did the big charity concert um, that uh, is being carried on Dick Wagner's name. And uh, Mark Farner came up and did uh, from Grand Funk Railroad, and he did Sweet Little Rock and Roller with me. And when you see the footage of it, it's two Detroiters head-to-head doing what Detroit does good. It's amazing to see. I bet it's a beautiful thing, and that's something I've got to get out to Detroit and do. I mean, there's so many places I want to travel. Dee knows this, and we travel all the time, and I still feel like I never get out of Tennessee to do anything, right, Dee? <laughs> yeah, we do. We're doing – um, we did Baltimore last week. We're doing New Orleans in a couple weeks, and then we'll do Virginia Beach like we usually do every summer. And it's just like, oh, it's great, but I still have to take everybody to go see my family in Texas and upstate New York, and I want to do this, and I want to go here, and we got – friends in california it just there's that just clock's not enough time. always ticking <laughs> yeah, there's just not enough time in the day <laughs> and not enough flights like just not enough <laughs> all right let me backtrack real quick i want to talk about happy days because that is how i got turned on to you and now i'm a new fan right and you play devil gate drive on happy days you're introduced as leather and the suede's <laughs> i was actually surprised that a wholesome show like happy days had a song with the word devil in it. That seems a little bit taboo for that era and that show. Did, was this something you brought to them and was like, I want to play Devil Gate Drive? Or did they go through your catalog as like, Susie, you're going to be called Leather and the Suede. You're going to play Devil Gate Drive. Like, how did that whole thing get pieced together? Um, well, I have to make a long story short because it's a long story. Um, I was in Japan on tour and I had a phone call from my press agent at the time. And he said that um, Happy Days people had seen they had had the script for a long time and they knew that they had to replace pinky because she was not popular with everybody she was not going to resign and they wanted to keep the tuscadero character going and they came up with this idea for leather tuscadero and um the casting lady went into her daughter's bedroom and they, they, I, okay backtrack they couldn't find the lady to play they couldn't find the right actress you need to be tough you need to be soft. Were they looking he, for an actress or a musician? No, actress. They were looking for an actress. But they wanted a particular thing. They wanted soft and tough together. And that then that's me. Wow. That's so me. You know, that is me. Mm. So the, the lady went into her kid's bedroom, and she saw my picture on the cover of Rolling Stone on her wall. And she said to her daughter, oh, my God, who is that? That's exactly who we're looking for. So the look appealed to her. Of course, they don't know if I can act. I mean, I'm, you know, on the cover of Rolling Stone because I'm Susie Quattro, you know, the, the rocker. And um, they called me in Japan and they said, come over and audition, which I did. And uh, it turned into 15 episodes over three years. So they, they let me do whatever music I wanted to do within the character. And I was able to use some of my hits on that, which worked in that show. And I wrote a couple. I wrote Believe, you know, when Richie almost died. I wrote, um, uh, what was it called? The other one for Fonzie, uh, Moonlight Love. So I wrote two songs that they asked me to write for two particular scripts. And I did Cat's Eyes on the audition. That's one of my own songs. And they, they let me, I, you know, I, I didn't play myself, but of course, if you're a good actress, you put bits of yourself in there. 
was that hard for you to wrap your head around to play yourself but not really play yourself, especially at that young age coming back from Japan? Like, Or was that transition easy for you to act alongside of playing your own music? I didn't even think about it, to tell you the truth. I got into the character. Uh, Leather Tuscadero had been in, in, a, in a correction facility for stealing. And, right. You know, I went kind of, I went kind of very, uh, what's the word, punky in that part. Yeah, that's punky. what I liked about yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> punky but sweet, you know. So I, I did play the thick part, but obviously, you know, you always try to put a bit of yourself in anything that you do. So I used whatever I could in that role. Sure, sure I did. And one of the things I was watching in that is Joni was like a big Tuscadero fan, and she's dancing, and Aaron Moran just recently passed away. Did you stay in touch with Aaron or any of the Happy Days crew after the fact? I stay in touch with everybody. Um, Henry has given me wonderful quotes from my poetry book and from my autobiography. Ron Howard has done the same. Um, I've run into people through the years. Yes, especially Henry and Ronnie and I, we, we stay in touch all the time. We're in email contact all the time. Wow. Yeah, I love Henry Winkler. He is such a sweetheart. And I've seen him in so many different interviews talking about him having dyslexia and all the challenges he's had to overcome. And he just seems he, like an incredible person. I adore him. All right. Um, I know you got to get out of here. There's one more thing yep. I want to touch on before we play some QSP. Everything I read about, not everything, a great theme of what I was reading about you. It says that you are a real trailblazer, female artist, those early days, especially um is that a moniker like this this trailblazer for females in rock is that a moniker you're happy with having put on you and is that how you see yourself do you see yourself as somebody who really opened a lot of doors for women in rock and roll um well you can't see it any other way because although i wasn't the first rock musician by anybody's standards i was the first one to have success as a female right. so it hadn't been done before so that will forever be you know in the history books i was the first rock and roll bass playing female to have hits so what i did was i allowed women to take their place in rock and roll i allowed it to happen which is great i did i can't say that i did it for that reason and i never have said that i did it because i was being me but who i was was this really unusual person who was going to kick the doors down did it feel like that at the time? Because it's easy to look back historically and go, wow, she did this, this, and this, and really brought women along and really opened a lot of doors. But at the time, did it feel like you were breaking new ground? Uh, I kept I kept getting told by people that I was so unique, and I kept thinking, okay, okay, what's unique? You know, I just was honestly being true to myself. I didn't want to be like the other female singers because I wasn't like that. You know, I put one leg here, one leg here, and rolled the bass. That's what I did. Nobody told me to do it. It was a natural thing. And that's what made the difference. I think if anybody was going to break down the doors, it was going to be somebody like me who didn't necessarily do gender, which Absolutely. I still don't now. I don't do gender still now, but I was being me. And thank God that worked because the doors came tumbling down, I tell you. I could not agree more. And, you know, I heard you talk about, make that point before about Elvis, and you didn't see a, you know, a man up there performing. You wanted to be Elvis. I didn't get it. I didn't get it that he was a guy. Yeah, exactly. So and it's just, just saying, it, yeah, it's, it, I think it had to fall. You know, somebody was going to break it sooner or later. I was the one to do it. And I think it needed to be somebody like me. That's the only way it could have worked. So let me ask you this then, because you're somebody who, 
doesn't want to be inhibited by labels, even labels as far as gender. I was watching that interview in Australia and across the screen in big giant letters, the queen of glam rock. And I've heard you say in other interviews, you don't consider yourself glam rock. So is that frustrating when you get pushed into boxes like that and people try to define you? Sure, sure it is. But but the thing is, is I've never allowed anybody to box me in it anywhere, which is why I've spread so far and wide in my career. The only reason they confused me with that is that my hit started in that era. Um, I didn't wear any makeup, and I had a plain black leather jumpsuit on, and I played rock and roll. So how that can be construed as glam, I just don't know. Anyway, I'm going to have to go because it's late here now. All righty, fair enough. Um, set up QSP for us because we're going to play some QSP on the oh, way out great. the door. Good stuff. Okay. So we're going to play Pain off it. Tell us a little bit about QSP before you jump off. Okay. Um, it was an idea that my husband had about 15 years ago to put us together, and it didn't happen then. And then about two years ago, it was the right time. Um, Andy Scott, the guitar player from Sweet, and Don Powell, the original drummer from Slade, myself, and we went into the studio and we started to do covers first. And then we started to write. And when we started to write, everything took off. And we were a big hit in Australia. And we have, if you listen to the album, you hear three people from the same ballpark. Right. So it all clicked pretty easily then. Well, it, it, we, 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 found our, we found our way once we'd put down Just Like a Woman, the Bob Dylan track. And then right. I went home and I started the song Wrong Way From Home. And I said, and then we finished it, Andy and I. And I said, whoa, we got to write some more. So it's a wonderful collection of covers and originals. We've created something new, which I am so proud of. All righty. We'll end at that. Susie, I want to thank you so much for calling in so late all the way from across the pond. This My has been pleasure. a real treat. You have Enjoy. a good one, Susie. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Eddie, I know you got to get back to work too, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to head back in right now. That was awesome, man. All right, man. Thanks for joining us. Sorry you didn't get to get in too much. We had some, I guess, technical difficulties and time constraints. All right. I'll see you in a couple weeks, my friend. Sure thing, bud. All righty, D. Did we get everything in at the top of the show we needed to get in before we cut out of here? Dude, she is such a badass. Like That's what I said to you when we watched it. I was like, man, that, that chick is a badass. I've got to check her out. And like I told her, it was obvious that she was a musician. Like, I didn't look at yeah. it as like, oh, was she, did she used to be on Ovaltine commercials? Is that where they got her? Like, that wasn't even something that crossed my mind. I was just kind of like, yeah, this is a musician. Let me see if she's still performing. Well, and like she said, what that casting director was looking for, that's exactly who she is. Like, she's a total badass, but she's super duper nice. Like, she's just the sweetest thing ever. So, it's, I mean, ugh, I love her. Okay. <laughs> All right, we'll have the archive up soon. Anybody listening live, thank you for tuning in to our special mini episode. We will be back on the 17th at our usual time, Wednesdays at 8, with Miss Alex White from White Mystery. Their new album, their ninth album just dropped. They've got one more year of doing this before the White Mystery project is over. Ugh, that kind of makes me sad. But to make everybody happy, well, I don't know if it's going to make everybody happy. Anyway, from QSP, this is Pain. Bye, guys. Never a day. Never a day goes by. Nothing to say. No one to 
Somebody say 